happy Tuesday. We're actually on No Talk Tuesday, which is a new thing that we started at Gym Launch, meaning we don't have uh, meetings going on, which is awesome because then everyone just gets to GSD, get stuff done. Um, and so one of the things I have on my agenda today uh, was actually on my agenda yesterday was to make this uh, video for you guys. Um, and this comes directly from a report that was released by Zen Planner, which I highly encourage you guys to go check out like different industry reports because they're very telling just to see where the entire industry as a whole is. Obviously, like that, that spans different types of um, studios, et cetera. But I thought that the report that they had was really, really valuable. So, and I just like having things confirm what we preach. But anyways, um, there were six things that were outlined uh, that that market leaders do that the um, average gym does not do, and so um, I kind of like I was th originally thought like maybe I'll make a video about each one of them, but I don't want to waste your time, and so I want like if it were me, I would just want one video with all of the findings so that you don't have to go through the thirty-page report. So hopefully that's cool. I can save you some time. So the six things I'll go over are pricing, discounts, space utilization, payroll commissions, and marketplace. Okay, so one of the findings that they had was that. Industry leaders, so gyms that make the most money, charge more. Hmm, what a concept. And um, the average gym uh, charges $132 a month. Now, this is different from the data that we pulled, which was $118 uh, per month from all the gyms that we had it. Now, obviously, that could be a difference in what types of studios they're, they're pulling from, but, you know, it's, it was $14 different. But anyways, just so you know, multiple use, you know, multiple data sources. But the industry average that they had was 172, which is in alignment with what we typically um, tell people to do, which is the minimum you should really charge is 167 a month. So um, that was their average. So I tend to skew a little bit higher than what their average is in terms of how much profit you should be trying to make per customer. But it's a good uh, benchmark or barometer. Now, I think what's even more telling than the $40 difference between the laggards or people who are less profitable versus the industry leaders is the second point, which is discounts. So when they looked at what the, uh, what the gym was offering as their membership average, right, uh, 132 versus 172, you see a, a small difference there. I mean, not small. That's a 30% difference. But there's, you know, it's ballparky, right? Now, when you look at the discounts, and I thought this was probably, like, of all the things I'm going to go over, this is probably the biggest one. Industry leaders didn't really discount. And so the average member at their gym was paying 142 per month. So 172 is their, is their average membership. Um, and then 142 is what their average member was paying. Now, guess what the average laggard um, was paying or having their members pay? It was $72 a month on average per member. And so what does that tell you? It tells you all the people, like so when we tell the story of like most people who start their gym early on and they get all these people and they, they, they promise them a lifetime rate for being a founder, right? What that does is it just forever draws down and drags down your average EFT. There's two ways to approach it. One is you can fix it by, um, like filling up your gym first and then going back to those people and raising it and saying, sorry, we're at capacity. Like I have to make these changes or you can make money tomorrow and just tell them that you want to raise the prices. We've done it both ways and you can, well, it's, it's nice to just make more money tomorrow, but you can have your own beliefs around that. <laughs> you have to break that being said, don't discount, right? Don't discount. A lot of people do these backdoor deals because they're really just trying to like they're desperately trying to close the sale, but what ends up happening is you just kill the profitability of your facility. And so you just perpetuate this issue. Now, just a side note on pricing, most people uh, would then make the conclusion, um, so I'm skipping to number six on marketplace data, well, these guys must be in markets where they're alone, or they're like, they can control their own pricing, or blah, 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 you know, there's not a lot of competition. 
But it turns out, and this is just directly from the report, that the market leaders tended to be in areas that were the most populated with other facilities. And what does that tell you? It tells you the best rise is the top. It, the best way to get really good is to go to the jungle and cut your teeth with the, like the fiercest beast. So if you can go to the most competitive marketplaces, see who's winning, model that. I'm gonna to totally toot my own heart right now. But when I, when I quit my consulting job, um, I went to Southern California because I knew that that was the hotbed of fitness and I genuinely, genuinely believed and I told everyone, I was like, if I can make it there, then I'll be able to make it anywhere. And so that was the, the thought process. And so I would implore you to probably use the same thing. And if you're in a market that's not super saturated, then like you might as well just use leader tactics from the hotbeds of the fiercest competition, right? So those industry leaders also had the true belief that their product and service was better intrinsically. And so part of that is, you know, like the, the chicken or the egg, like do they have higher prices? Uh, and then that influences their belief about their, their quality of product or service, or does that enable them to have a higher quality product or service? Or is it reversed that the, the, high, the, the great quality product is what gets the high price? Like you can go either way back and forth. My belief is that the higher your prices, the more money you'll have left over in order to reinvest in the experience. And so then you actually do and are worth that higher price. And the reality is that most people are willing to pay more, especially when we're talking about 30, 40% more to have a much better experience. They just don't know that yet. And so you just have to prove that to them, right? And most people think that like initially when they're making the decision around the membership, like I can only afford X, which means this is only my only, uh, my only ability to perceive value relative to my membership is at this rate and I have not been demonstrated value in excess of that. And so it's your responsibility to show them and demonstrate excess far, sorry, value far in excess of that so that they will then stay at that higher rate. It's kind of like you, you don't know until you know. Mosin Nation, real quick, if you are a business owner that has a big old business and wants to get to a much bigger business, going to $50, $100 million plus, we would love to talk to you. And if you like that or would like to hear more about it, go to acquisition.com. You can apply anywhere on the page and talk to one of our team and see if we can help you get there. So anyways, so that's about pricing. Make sure that you're on the 170 plus uh, range, which you've probably heard in a bunch of videos from me anyways. Um, which works out to like 39 bucks a week or more if you're billing weekly, okay? Um, discounts, don't do them. You're devaluing yourself. It's also a really bad habit because it just shows lack of conviction in your product, lack of conviction in the salesperson, lack of conviction in what you're actually selling, which is results, not what you're, not the actual service. And one of the big, big nagging ones that sucks about this, and mind you, I did this early on, so I'm not like trying to say, look, I didn't do this. I totally did this. Is that as soon as you make a discount early on, what ends up happening is that that person owns you. And now they think everything's negotiable. You know what I mean? Like I used to sell t-shirts. They'd be like, well, I'll buy it for 20. I'm like, the price is 25 bucks. Like buy the, you know, like just like this isn't negotiable. You know what I mean? But when you start with that, then they assume everything is negotiable. It also makes you seem like a mom and pop rather than like a more established company. Like these are our prices. You know what I mean? Like this is what it is. Um, and so I'd highly recommend sticking to your guns and they'll respect you more and they'll be way less of a pain in the ass customer. Okay. Now, when it comes to space capacity, that kind of thing. So um, on average, the industry leaders used half the amount of space per customer uh, compared to the um, average kind of loser gyms. And so what does that say? So the tactics that I recommend highly are partnering people up, getting rid of movements that are not necessary, that are very space like consuming. I, I, um, I totally demonize double unders, and I know everyone's like, what? And I know in the, in the CrossFit world, you know, 
I had like my big point is this is that for general population, which is what the majority of us serve, there are other tools, there are other exercises that we can use to accomplish the objective of conditioning someone that do not require as much space, as much complexity, um, and a learning curve. So unless you have people who are competing, right, which that entire organization has made a huge move pivot recently against that because they don't want to deal with a worldwide organization of competitors against that like most people are never going to compete and so they really just want to look good and feel good and there's a lot of ways to do that that don't take nearly the amount of space that you know doing snatches for time would. you know what i mean things like that so um the, the way that they're able to use less space is that they're selecting exercises that are not going to be as space consuming and that's the first thing and then the second thing is i highly recommend you partner people up so that one person cheers and holds other, you know, one person cheers, spots, uh, and rests while the other person does a strength-based movement, whatever. And so that actually allows you to pretty much one and a half X or double uh, the amount of people that you can have um, at your facility. So if you're at like, right now you can only service 16 people per hour and you're doing barbell lifts for everyone, right? Like you can probably remove that stuff partner people up and then immediately increase your capacity to 30 per session. Why is that important? Because you can decrease the amount of session times you have and cut your overhead in half. Might be something to look into. And so as a result, the next line down is payroll, right? Their payroll was on average half, half, okay, of uh, the laggards. So right now the laggards, half of their um, gross revenue went to payroll, whereas the industry leaders, it was 25%. Part of that is because their price is higher. So relative to the price that they're charging, they are less of it is going to payroll. That's one of it. It's just math, right? The other part of it is that I'm a big believer in this, and I, I've said this before, and it goes with the next line down, which is commissions, is that um, I'm a big believer in having uh, lower base pay and then having lots of incentives around semi-privates, around you know selling other products that you have at the facility, ups like actually doing front-end sales, converting people into memberships, like all of these different things, selling internal plays, like you're doing a, a you know, 28-day stubborn belly fat blast or whatever, like you're selling, you're selling that to your internal members, like give that as incentives. And so then like the trainer's base pay is lower, but then their upside is higher. And so um, the actual amount that these facilities paid their trainers was actually more than, than the other places, but that was because they had two times the amount of commissions as the lagging gyms. So um, all in all, if you're like, what are the notes to take home about this? One, make sure that your pricing is premium. Have a reason to have premium pricing so that you can have a premium product, right? If we were really cheap at Gym Launch, I would not be able to acquire customers. I'd not be able to have the crazy support team that we do. We wouldn't be able to continue to reinvest and spend money to try and figure out what the next thing is on a constant basis, new ad platforms, new ads, new funnels, new whatever, right? Like if we didn't have the money to do that, then our product would be inferior. We wouldn't be able to market to anyone, it wouldn't be able to find people. And so it's like, it's either a virtuous cycle or a vicious cycle. And I've talked about that in the past, but so make sure that your pricing is premium, right? The next thing is never discount. Like don't negotiate with terrorists. I used to say that to my staff, like never negotiate with terrorists. Like the price is the price for a reason. Because if it's not that, none of you, like none of us have jobs, right? And it is your responsibility as a business owner to uphold that standard. Like if you're the first, like if you tell people, hey, don't discount, but then like you always are the one making side deals because you're the owner, like you need to practice what you preach, stand tall, right? And then space utilization, look at your exercise selection um, and then consider partnering people up. I think it's a great selling point. I sold it as safety. I sold it as motivation. I sold it as cheering. And then I also sold from a science component. I'm like, listen, if you actually want to gain muscle, like I can't have you just working 
I'm trying to use the right term, um, hardcore <laughs> uh, for, for 60 minutes straight. Like you can't do that. You need to rest. Like energy systems don't work that way. So I need you to go hard for 45 seconds and then we're gonna have you rest for 45 seconds and then you'll go hard again, right? And you're gonna spot the other person and make sure you catch your breath and you can do another set. So consider that it also doubles your capacity of the facility. And then payroll, have a lower base and then higher upside on the commissions um, and you'll be able to get more performance and um, ultimately keep your fixed cost lower so that if for some reason someone isn't performing or you're not getting um, the sales or whatever that month, then you don't have as much fixed overhead that could skin you alive. So um, anyways, those are, that's the, that's you not having to read a huge document <laughs> of what's going on. That's uh, what the industry leaders are doing. And uh, I would highly recommend that you adhere to those things because they make sense. And the last point, which is marketplace, well, they must be in some, you know, standalone market. They must own their market. No, they were in the most competitive marketplaces. And those are the places that you have to and where diamonds are formed. And that's why the best practices are made, because if they didn't have those, they'd go out of business. And so that's the place to look. Those are the hotbeds. And so if you're in a competitive market, then you have more reason than anyone to follow the things that are just outlawed. So anyways, hope you guys are having a two-time Tuesday, an amazing Tuesday. Lots of love. Talk to you soon. All right.